Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. This is Gail Sylvia, your host of SylviaGlobal.com. Joining me today are some really extraordinarily um, incredible young ladies from around the globe. They happen to be international students who have studied or are currently studying in the United States. And we're having this roundtable discussion in order to shed some light on the expectations that um, international students have before arriving in the United States and the realities of what those experiences um, present once they're here. Thank you so much, ladies, for being here today. Thanks for having us, William. Thank you. I'm going to have Sabrina start with an introduction of her work in the English Language Studies Department at Cal Poly Pomona here in the United States and introduce each of the guests that are with us and how you met them. And then we'll go from there with some discussion and questions based on um, who they are, what they do, and their dreams. Go ahead, Sabrina. Yeah. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm Sabrina, um, and I um, just graduated from Cal Poly Pomona, but um, I've been working for about a year and a half um, at the English Language Institute at Cal Poly, which is where I met Serena. And she works with me there. Um, and then I met Sarah because I was, um, and I found out she was from Japan. Um, I met her at the dorms um, about two or three years ago, I think. Um, and then Christine and I just met this past year through a club called Bridges International, which I uh, work with. This uh, It's a campus um, club that just works to help uh, international students transfer over from um, yeah, just adjust to campus life and life in the U.S. Thank you very much. Serena, why don't you tell us about your background? I understand that you are um, Lebanese, half Lebanese, and also, um, half- but you, excuse me, go ahead. Yeah, um, my dad is from Syria and my mom is from Lebanon. Um, it's It's kind of a tradition overseas to say, where you're from based on your dad's nationality, so I'm basically Syrian. Uh, but I lived my whole life in Kuwait and um, moved here five years ago. What was your background, what was your upbringing, your experiences like growing up in Kuwait? Um, I, it, I I was raised in, an, in a Muslim family, um, in a traditional, cultural, um, Arabic traditional family. Um, it's it's a little bit it's it could be different and the same as the United States because you know with with the media and everything I I I didn't experience 
much of a difference between the United States and Kuwait because there's a lot of things in common. But at the same time, the cultural and the traditional stuff are still there. So basically, that's that's my background. Um, yeah. What are the things that you find we have in common? Um, restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> Food. <laughs> like there are McDonald's, Burger King, all of the things that they have over here. Um, things that I think both cultures have for entertainment, like music and stuff. Um, um I would say that that's the like the major things in common. P- what people do for fun, going to the movies, uh, hanging out at cafes and stuff. Um, yeah. What about the the cultural um, components? Because you could find cultural, similar cultural and religious practices here, but our media has been so distorted. I think in how it often gets presented. What's your experience been? Um, the cultural, um, I would say back, back home, there are a lot of, here people think that everyone from the Middle East is Muslim, everyone in the Middle East wears a scarf, everyone in the Middle East, um, you know, but the, the fact is that over there, we're, we're diverse just like here, there are people from different, um, different religious point of views, uh, so I would say that's one of the media's, um, one of the media's faults on how to expose our culture. Thank you. What about Sarah? Can you introduce yourself, Sarah? Tell us who you are, where you're from, and your background. Of course. Um, I'm Sarah. I'm from Osaka, Japan. And I'm half Japanese and half American. And I lived there all my life until, um, until six years ago. I moved to California for college. And, yeah, I mean, it's really, really different from the United States, I would say. Was this your first trip to the United States when you arrived as a student? Excuse me? Was your first trip to the United States when you arrived as a college student? Or had you been there before? I have been before. Since my grandparents, my cousin, my mom's side of families are living here. So I visited here every two, three years. So I was I was pretty familiar with, you know, culture here and everything. What about you, Christina? Can you introduce yourself to the listeners? Oh yes, my name is Christina. I'm from Indonesia. I am half Chinese, half Indonesian, but I cannot speak Chinese. And I've been in the US for three and a half years. I'm a student at Kalpoli Pomona. And what prompted you to come and study in the United States? Um, because United States uh, provide better education than in my country. Had you been here before? No. It, uh, so since you had not been, then when you got off the plane here in the United States, who was there to greet you? Oh, I have my relative here. My aunt lives here. So, yeah, she came to the airport and get me and my mom. Have you been living in the dorms or at home? Oh, I live at my auntie's house for one year, and then I move out. And now I live at the dorm. Um, Ladies, thank you so much for the introductions. Mm -hmm. Answer the questions, and we'll start with you, Serena. 
who influenced you to want to study in the United States, and who are some of the people that opposed your decision to, if there were any, um, who may have opposed your decision or discouraged your decision to want to study in the United States, and why? Um, actually, my story is kind of similar to Sarah's story, where um, my mom's side, my mom's family lived here in the United States, and um, both of my uncles actually graduated or have complete, completed their higher education here at California. So they're probably where my most, like, they're, they're the people that influenced me the most in coming here. Um, and as um, Christina was saying, that it, it's well known overseas how well the education here in the United States, especially higher education. So that, that was one of the reasons um, I came here. And also my mom, she wanted me to pursue my education and come here. Uh, people who have opposed... Hi, I, Hale, this is your mom. Go ahead, I'm sorry. <laughs> go, go ahead. Um, for um, for the people that opposed me, uh, I would say I, I uh, maybe I was the only one who's opposing. I didn't want to leave uh, where I've lived there my whole life and my family, my friends. I didn't just want to move and come but I had to follow um, and follow a dream and finish my education. If you didn't want to come, then whose dream was it? I, I want the dream was to finish to finish my education to get a degree. Uh, where, where I wanted to get that 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 I didn't know. Like if it would be in Kuwait, in Syria, here, I didn't I didn't really have um, I didn't have uh, any issues with that. But um, yeah, but uh, since since the United States looked like looked like a really good opportunity, after my uncles convinced me, so that's how I I decided to come here. Okay. How about you, Sarah? Um, definitely, my background has influenced since my mom is from California, and all my mom's side of families are here and. Um, the, I think the significant uh, event was when my great-grandma has passed away. I, I was, I regretted that I wasn't able to communicate with her, and that since then, I, I, that time I couldn't speak English at all. And when I visited here, I only smiled to my, you know, my my family, and that was it. So, so that made me realize that. I have family in the United States, and I wanted to speak English. And also, I think the college system is—I would say—it's better here. It's, I think I believe Japan has really good school systems, but it's more—it's harder to get in, but easy to graduate. So, if once you pass all the exams and get into the college, you basically don't have to do anything to graduate. So I, I didn't like the ideas since I felt like I wasn't able to learn what I want to learn, and and I wanted to have some significant change. Thank so. you, Christina. What about you? Was there anyone in particular that influenced your decision or um, objected to your decision to come? Well, yes, actually, my mom is the one who influenced me to come to the U.S. Because when I was in high school, my aunt from California came to Indonesia, and she talked to my mom. She said, oh, why not 
you let your daughter go to the U.S. and study there. And my mom thought about it and influenced me to go to the U.S. And I'm the one who opposed that because I don't really want to leave my country. If I go to the U.S., it's going to be a whole new world for me. I'm going to be alone. I have to la- I have to leave my friend and family. So, yeah. Now that you've been here, what have been the the biggest uh, impressions upon you that differ from what your expectations were and what your the realities are of life here? Go ahead, Christina. You answer. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. What is that? In, now that you've been here for a while, has there been a big difference between what you expected to have um, your experience be before you arrived compared to what you've actually been experiencing, or are they pretty similar? It's pretty different, really, because i never been to the U.S., and I only watch U.S. from the movies. But when I get here, the first town I was in was Alhambra, and it was full of Chinese characters. And I was like, oh, where, where am I? Am I in the U.S.? And the <laughs> culture is... <laughs> And the culture is very, very different. Like, for example, in Indonesia, we have, like, seniority stuff. So when you're, um, you don't call people that are older than you by name. You call them, like, by um, big brother or big sister or something like that. But here you just call them by name. It's kind of weird for me. Does it seem like there's a cultural difference when it comes to respect? Yes. Yeah. Is that one of several examples where you see a different level of respect expressed here? Are there other examples? Um, Also, when you're calling to a professor, you can just call them by name. It's just disrespectful. Hmm. (laughs) How about for you, um, for you, Sarah? Have the realities of life here been different from the original expectations? Yes, I agree. I I had the same experience with Christina, because in Japan we did we do have to use certain words, like respect words, to somebody who is older, even though one year older. You have to use something, and we we are we were able to use um, cold names to each other, but we have to uh, add something. So, if, for example, it's somebody whose name is Sarah, I have to call them Sarah San. To respect that person, so it is the same thing, and um, yeah. So I, I mean, the expectation I had was I thought learning English was easy somehow because I was 18, and it was like two months. In two months, I was able to speak. I thought I was able to speak English, and I, you know, I've been here for six years and still learning. So I think that was my biggest expectation, and I. That was the reality that, you know, you can't learn the language that quickly. How about you, Serena? Um, Well, I would say my expectations before coming here were kind of negatively, like, um, as, um, as Sarah said, maybe hard to speak the language or deal with other people. I, I, I was terrified that I, because I'm a pretty social person, and I was terrified that I wouldn't be able to make any friends or, or uh, get along with people from, because it's, it's still different. It, the, the background that I had was different, so, and 
um, I, um, I'm Muslim and I, work, I wear a scarf, so I was afraid of, like, how would they uh, treat me or how would they, because that's, that's how the media is showing over there as well in terms of um, um, how, do, how do they deal with Muslims. But um, when I came here, it was a total different, um, total different experience because everybody's here. They were respectful um, to my uh, to my uh, religion, and um, I was able to do a lot of uh, really solid, good friendships uh, that I hope that they will last. How did you get involved socially here? Um, well, I would say most of my uh, friendships were through school. Um, I went to Chafee College in Rancho Cucamonga and um, met people who have the same goal or the same interest as me. And um, at Cal Poly, um, I am I'm right. Uh, I transferred to Cal Poly and I'm doing um, industrial engineering. And there are a lot of clubs at Cal Poly that would help to uh, help get people involved and uh, get them together. Uh, whether it's uh, about the major or any interest that you like, um, the uh, Industrial Engineering Institute, uh, that's one of the clubs that I am uh, part of, and other honor societies. Christina, can you talk to us about, you know, tell us what um, what you do when you felt lonely here, you know, during your studies abroad, when you feel frustrated and alone. How do you, how have you worked through that? Oh, well, I usually call my parents in Indonesia or maybe just try to hang out with some people. Mm. Yeah, but usually I stay in front of the laptop, so I just chat with my friends. And so you just turn to the laptop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the biggest thing to do. And what's the biggest, what are the the moments that cause you the the homesickness or the lonely, the loneliness? What generally puts you in a situation or a mood like that? When I'm alone. Because uh, people in the U.S., they are pretty individualistic, so I don't really have social life uh, at weekdays. So, so a lot of times I'm alone. So just at that moment when I'm Taking a break from doing assignment, I feel like lonely, just being alone, or something like that. How is it different, or would it have been different in um, Indonesia? When you say people here tend to be more individualistic. Well, in Indonesia, like for example, I have a friend from my class. Um, she's an American friend. She lives at the village also, um, and we have the class like at the same class. So it's but instead of like walking to the class together from the village. She preferred to like go by herself, like just completely different. She will walk alone. She's not walking besides me. In Indonesia, we will go to the class together, mm. even though I just know her. But oh, you live at the village. I live at the village too. Let's go to the class together. Something like that. Mm. How about for you, um, Sarah? Mm -hmm. For when do you ever feel alone or homesick? Uh, I yes. I mean, many times. I think the first couple of years were the hardest since I didn't have close friends yet, and and I had I had the big insecurity of my you know my speaking ability and those things. So I think at night when I'm alone, as everyone 
when I'm alone and when I'm feeling defeated with discords by my English and those things. And when I see, like, when I see Facebook, I see my friends from Japan, they're hanging out together. And that time I, I feel so lonely because I wish I was there, but I'm not. I have to do what I have to do here. And so... Are you succeeding at making close friends here? Excuse me? Are you succeeding at making new close friendships here, or, or is it something that you're still working for? I, no, I I am, yeah, I have made a lot of good friends here, and so I'm really happy with, you know, friends I have, and I'm still, you know, I still want to have more friends and do the networking and get to know a lot more people. And so now I I think I'm more comfortable with my English, so I I wouldn't hesitate to talk to people. How do you go about getting engaged and meeting friends now that you're more comfortable with your language skills? I think for two years. um, So when I moved here, I went to ESL in UCI. And so then I met so many Japanese people. And I, you know, I had the weakness and I just, I got I got comfortable with them and so I started hanging out with them. So, but I, so two years I had the conflict, like I shouldn't be with Japanese people because my English is not improving, I have to do this. So I think that two, in two years I decided to, I'm pretty extreme person. I think I I cut, cut everybody from you know I just didn't contact with them just because everybody went to college and I went I moved to California. I think that was the best time I could just go out there and just not be don't be shy and just you know I I had so many embarrassing moments of you know because when I'm nervous I have I I have thick act more thicker accents and. I stutter and those things, but I think after I just don't hesitate and just talk to people, and I realize that a lot of people are nice. They they're pretty patient and listen to me with my you know broken English, and so I think yeah. How about you, Serena? Um, in terms of what? (laughs) When you get lonely and homesick, what do you do? And have you? Um, how do you work? I I would I would call my parents, call my mom, or you know with Skype and everything I can <laughs> call my friends. I even spent some of their birthdays on on Skype. Like yeah, I didn't get the cake, but I was with them. It it, it I try as much as possible to stay to to forget that I'm I'm here alone just by turning and try to contact back home. Well, um, I recently did an interview with um, the founding director of an organization out of New York called New Leaders of America. Her name was Sayu Benjuani, and she, too, had come to the United States in the same capacity as a student uh, many years ago. She founded this organization, and its purpose is to the, the new leadership for Americans an influence in America are actually the immigrant communities. 
mm-hmm. and getting them to understand their political clout and encouraging them to run for elected office. And, you know, the history of America, um, except for that of African Americans and Native Americans, the whole country has been founded on by immigrants and people who have come here from other countries. In your wildest, biggest dreams, um, what would your influence? What would you like to see your influence be, both here in America and back in the countries that you're from? Um, I I would like to. Um of course, I, I would like to pursue my major, industrial engineering, and have an effect with with that, with my capabilities and the, the the knowledge that I have, whether it's here or here in the United States, just to be a su- successful in what I do. How about you, Serena? Uh, in your wildest dreams, you know, as um, you know, right now you're a student, but if you were to look back, um, or let's say looking forward. If you know, if you could just make the most of this experience in being um, multilingual and multicultural, and being here in the United States now, you know, with an understanding that you have a, a the potential of having extreme influence over and leadership example in the United States, what role would you like to see yourself playing, and what would your wildest dream be in that area? Give you a minute to think about it. How about um, you, Sarah? Any thoughts on that? Uh, when you say that, you know, you, you know, at first you weren't comfortable with with the language, but now you have very good control of the language. All three of you do, and you're studying at incredible um, universities and colleges here. So you have um, the potential to have great influence. Let me reword it. Would you ever consider running for an elected office in the United States? Um, I don't think I don't I don't know, but I am currently working as a behavioral therapist and I think that how I struggled with my language and how, you know, to communicate with people, those things has been helping me to understand the children who has problem with um who has antisocial problems and those things and um so I think what I'm do trying to do is more to my field I'm going to I'm starting my uh, master's program next fall and try to be you know I I think that's my biggest um, accomplishment that I have, and I could, you know, show people how, you know, you can learn language in six, five, five, six years, and you can't, you know, you can still continue schooling, and um, yeah. But um, I, do the three of you realize that you're in incredible positions, and you're doing extraordinarily, extraordinarily well? Uh, because of all of the levels of responsibilities that come with being a student from another country studying at a university combined with learning a new language 
and adopting culturally does that does the do you ever get a sense that gee i I guess I am kind of extraordinary or extra special, or do you just feel like you're just an ordinary student you know going about your business and you know no clue that the influence and impact that you have on people is such a positive one. Yeah, I never thought about it. I thought I was ordinary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe a little bit Yeah. I guess because we always compare ourselves to people do, who have been here longer mm-hmm. and um, or have accomplished more, we never look at what we have or uh, that's, mm-hmm. I would speak for myself. I never, I, I usually look like, oh, I, I need to work harder. I need to know more. Maybe Maybe that's how I feel. Mm. And maybe that's also the reason why you're each um achieving such successful goals because your your attention is focused on the task at hand and not comparing yourself to anyone else or being distracted by that. Um you know, you are incredible role models to a lot of people and I think that that's something that international students often are not aware of because we don't hear discussions about that. You know, there are students that um, wish they could speak another language or there are students that want to travel to another country and learn more about other cultures. And whether fear or lack of resources or lack of information prevents them from doing it, um, there's this secret unspoken admiration oftentimes for those who come and do it. On the flip side, there are those who um, don't know any better, so we call that ignorance who think that foreign students come here and take away opportunities that American students could have had. Um and there's not, you know, that's not a that's not a fact based um kind of prejudice or um perspective. Do you ever feel like um you get unjustly treated as a student, as a foreign student by co you know, fellow students, professors or anyone or have you not had any um, types of experiences like that? Which I hope you haven't. Mm, not really. I have never received like treatment like that. But most of the professors don't really give us special treatment. Even though they know we are international student, they still treat us like, I don't care if you don't understand what I'm saying. Somehow get the notes from other friends or something like that. They don't really tolerate that. Our English is not that good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um I I've seen I've seen international students that use the language as an excuse for the instructor to give them slack on stuff. But I've never used that excuse and I've never been treated differently than um students who have been here or, or, or American students. Yeah, me too. I don't not treated differently at school, in a school. Serena, what advice would you, and I'm glad to hear that, ladies. I, I really am. We always hope for the best behavior in people. And um, having studied abroad um, a few times, um, I know that, you know, it's, the experience that comes with you kind of have to take the good and the bad, <laughs> you know, whether you're whether you're at home or you're abroad. And when you don't know a language, in my case, the first time I was overseas was as an exchange student in high school to Switzerland, and I did not speak um, Swiss German. And 
Unfortunately, I lived with a family where the mother did speak some English, but the rest of it, you know, you just have to make a decision and dig deep within and just say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and, and I'm going to move out the, my comfort zone, like Sarah shared, of being around fellow English speakers and just jump in the environment that was going to challenge, you know, challenge me the most. And then later on, studying at a university in Japan, Waseda Gaigaku. Uh, in closing, let me ask you two questions each. What advice would you give to a student in your country right now that would be hearing this broadcast and they're con considering uh, coming to the United States to study as an international student? Let's start with you, Serena. Um I think the advice that I would give uh, that they should always believe in believe in what they what they know or the knowledge that we 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 know are attained back home uh, because um, we can we can do so much with what we have. Um, don't be afraid to jump in and ask questions, even if you don't if you're lost, if you don't get it or. Um, people here are really friendly, and there are a lot of nice people that could help. Um, so, yeah, uh, that that's that would be my biggest advice: is to don't be afraid to um, to con to ask or or seek help. Like, seek help. The second question, um, Serena, what would you do differently? You know, the first, you know, when you first arrived versus where you are now. Um. I what I would do differently. That's that's kind of hard. Maybe uh, I wish uh, I lived with my grandma who who's been here for 25 years, but Lebanese. Maybe I wish I when I arrived here I got in contact directly with uh, the American Society instead of because I was always close home and. I'm still scared or have that idea that I'm going to go back soon because I'm not going to be adopted here easily. Uh, maybe what I would do different is maybe have more um, contact with the American culture. Uh, well, now you've required me to ask the third question. Do you feel <laughs> that you're bicultural and that you are from both countries now, or do you still feel like you're more um, one culture country you know, than the other? No, I, uh, I I have to give credit for both cultures because being here, especially those five years after after high school, I'm sure that um, being here, my my personality has been influenced a lot. Um, maybe I'm more responsible, or I think um, definitely both culture has affected me. And I I noticed that when I go back home to visit, I noticed that some of my behaviors are different, or even when I. Um, when I'm here, I, I still carry that my my uh, culture that I'm really proud of. Thank you so much, Serena, for being with us today. Thank you so much. Don't leave. Sarah, how about you? What advice would you give to students in Japan or any other country who are contemplating coming to the United States to study? Sarah, are you still with us? Oh, I'm sorry, I muted it. Okay. Um, I would advise them to not be afraid of speaking, even though I know, you know, everybody has the insecurity, and, but just, you know, 
I don't know. I just don't want them to hesitate because there are so many good opportunities out there, and I don't want them to miss that just because they're afraid. So, and there are so many people that in the same situation. So, they could. There are so many people they could talk to and just believe that they're gonna. They can do it. Is and, there anything uh, that you would do differently? Um, actually, yes, because um, I think I would do differently of how I separate the cult- both cultures. When I, you know, like two years later, I tried to not to have any Japanese culture because it was distracting me and, you know, I wanted to learn American culture, language and everything. So I stopped watching all the TVs or I stopped um, talking to my friends who in Japan, who speaks Japan. So I think I, and now I feel that, you know, visit both cultures or my cultures, and I love both of them, and I'm proud of, of both cultures. So I would take, make a little bit easier on Japanese culture and be proud of, not ashamed of the cultures I have. That's admirable, too. Do you have the same type of uh, connection with your Italian-American mother's culture as you do with your Japanese father's culture? Um, I don't I don't think it's the same. I, I think Japanese cultures will always be my big culture, like in terms of food. Um, I mean, in, the biggest one is food. <laughs> Someone else opened up with the food. <laughs> oh, Japanese food. It's so good. How about you, Christina? What advice would you give to students in Indonesia and, and elsewhere around the world? And here, students that are considering going to Indonesia to to study uh, abroad. Mm, first of all, plan ahead. You have to know what you're going, which school you're going and when you're graduating and stuff like that. It's really important. And second, learn English. Like, not grammar only. Also on writing and speaking, because in Indonesia we only learn grammar. We never speak or write. And the third one is, don't forget you're still in Indonesian, even though you're in the United States. What did you mean when you said plan ahead, know when you're graduating? Why why that statement and what specifically are you referring to? Like how long are you going to the college or you go straight to the university? Mm. And if you're going to the college, how long you're going to spend the, uh, your years over there? Like what courses are you going to take? Which university are you going? What major are you taking? Because you have to decide before you go to the U.S. Before you get there. Well, Hmm. I understand. Christina, Sarah, Serena, congratulations on all your your many accomplishments. And thank you so much for sharing your perspective today with the listeners around the globe on sylviaglobal.com. I wish you much success, and I look forward to meeting you. I'm here in Southern California right now, so hopefully Sabrina will introduce all of us since the three of you just got introduced via this radio conversation. All right. Thank you, ladies. Thank you so much. Thank you, girl. Thank you. 
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts.